Hey, everybody. We want to thank you all who have supported the show. And anybody who is interested in supporting the show can check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash xchateau, or you can find the link on xchateau.com. We have over 100 episodes, and by becoming a patron, you can get access to 100-plus episodes. Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your hosts, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today we're going to be talking about how web design impacts direct-to-consumer sales for wine. And we have two guests, Catherine Cole, Communications Director of VIN Agency, and Jan Kraus, Creative Director for VIN Agency. Welcome to the show. I'd love to hear more about your backgrounds and Vin. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. (laughs) We are going to speak at the same time, aren't we, Jan? Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Jan Kraus, Creative Director at Vin. Started Vin in 2009. I'd been freelancing for a while and had a handful of winery clients and just enjoyed doing the work so much. My good friend, Brandon Spark Skillis at Dragonet Cellars, gave me my first winery projects with their logos and wine labels and websites. So I just enjoyed the work so much, got a few other winery clients from word of mouth and decided to start VIN just as a way to bring in more wine work. The rest is history, just kind of snowballed and we're able to gather a bunch of clients and work and have a lot of fun over the years. And then about five and a half years ago, Catherine joined as well. So we're able to improve our content creation and the communication side of it and focus more on the websites instead of doing everything from branding to wine labels. Yeah. And for my background, I call myself a recovering wine journalist. For 13 years, I was the wine columnist for the Oregonian newspaper. I've written five books on wine and I've written for all the major wine publications. And I have just really been enjoying being a part of VIN and seeing the business side because as a reporter, you just really don't see that. And just making really strong relationships with our clients. It's been a lot of fun. And I must put in a little plug for my own podcast. It's called The Four Top. It's a roundtable discussion about the hot button topics in wine. So thanks for having us. And I really appreciate being here today. We'll definitely put a link to your podcast in our show notes. Thanks. So maybe we can give us a baseline for ourselves as well as for the audience to give a brief overview of what VIN is and what it does. Yeah, we're a creative agency and brand consultancy focused on the world of fine wine. And really, our core focus is website design and development, custom website design. One thing that we think really sets us apart from other creative agencies is we really only work with wineries. It's all we think about all day. It's certainly all I like to think about all day. And so we are really focused on the unique sale that is wine. It's definitely a different product from, I think, any other product in the world. It's such a pleasure to do this work because we're kind of combining creativity with strong business sense and telling that story in a really creative way that actually is also effective in terms of the bottom line. Being your core focus, that's such an important part of how a winery communicates and how it impacts its own business, where a lot of small wineries, especially in fine wineries, have to rely on the direct-to-consumer business as their lifeblood, really. And part of that is being discoverable on their business website to drive interest and create awareness of themselves. Some of that is related to SEO or search engine optimization. Can you give us a little overview of what SEO is and how you develop websites to maximize that? Yeah, so search engine optimization is just crucial and super important these days. How are people going to find your website amongst all the other millions of websites online? And so there are really two sides to that. There's the technical side and then the communication side. And so the technical side, we build a WordPress website, so we're able to leverage some plugins that take care of a lot of the heavy lifting for us. 
just kind of a lot of technical stuff under the hood. And those kind of include things like meta descriptions on individual pages, building a sitemap that lists all the pages on the website so that the search engines can just scan through that and see which pages they need to index. And then as far as the communication side, Catherine? Yeah, it's as far as communications go, it's really about using those SEO keywords. So say you are making Pinot Noir on the Sonoma Coast, just making sure you have those terms. So if people search them, they find them. And it's about being strategic about where those terms appear. And this is something I've learned from Jan working with Vin. The size of the headline actually makes a difference and which page on the site those words appear on, where on the page, that kind of thing. Can you give us some examples of that, perhaps? Examples of a word on one page versus another will make a difference in SEO? I would say, now I feel like I'm getting into Jan's territory, but in an H1, which is a large headline, you'd want to have those keywords there at the top of the page, as well as in an H2. Actually, Jan, you should speak to this. Yeah, so there are things that we can do to emphasize certain content. We can put certain text in heading tags, which will emphasize that text to the search engines who are indexing it. Each page has a field called a meta description, which is not visible to the front end of the viewer, but search engines use that and use it to understand what is happening on the individual page. So adding a short, focused meta description to pages is really helpful. This is what shows up when you search for something. It's underneath the page title and the search results. So there are things that you can do kind of combining the technical approach with the right keywords and phrasing and content. Does the number of times a word shows up, so like Pinot Noir or whatever, matter for the SEO? It can help. It's mostly a question of kind of how it's used, I think. It's difficult to show up as the first page for Pinot Noir because there are a lot of Pinot wineries out there. So certain phrases like that may not be the most important. You can't just have one page that just says Pinot Noir a million times. Right. (laughs) One thing I would say with SEO is it doesn't matter how many people are landing on your site. If you don't have a beautiful website that draws people in with imagery and storytelling, you're not going to sell wine. So SEO is just the first part of the challenge. I was going to mention a client of ours, Ibu, that's H-I-B-O-U, which is a French term for a type of owl. We designed a website for them back in September 2021, and we just pulled stats for them. And their page views went up more than 400% after they launched their new website with us, which was crazy. Their new site visitors increased by 200%. So obviously the SEO was working, but that actually wasn't as interesting to me as the average session duration, which went up by more than 140%. So you can pull all sorts of tricks to get people to land on your website, but you want to keep them there and keep them exploring your site and then end up making that purchase, joining your club or making that appointment to visit. So the best websites engage people and have them stick around and check out the content in it. How do you think about that in the context of wine? Can you give some examples? Like I mentioned earlier, I think wine is such a different product. I don't think people purchase wine because it's a great deal. They're not really making a rational decision. They want to make a real emotional connection to the brand. And so the most effective websites really immerse the site visitor in the brand experience. They involve a lot of storytelling, a lot of imagery that really draw the site visitor into this world. Because so much of wine is wanting to be a part of this world. You know, when you think about why do people visit wine country and go visit tasting rooms, they want to sort of be part of this whole sort of feeling of wine country living. It's really about immersing the site visitor in this feeling that they're there with you and they're part of your brand experience. Could you maybe give us an example of maybe one of your clients that you've helped them retain people into the site and made the site stickier? 
Yeah, we have a really fun client called Casino Mine Ranch, and they're in the Sierra foothills, and they have a rock star winemaker. They have Andy Erickson, whom people would know from Screaming Eagle and Harlan and Mayakamas and all those wonderful labels, but they didn't have solid engagement from month to month on their site until they launched their new site with us. Just to pat ourselves on the back, I feel kind of silly saying that, but I think that they weren't really getting their brand story across and their brand story is fascinating. It's terrific. It's a really funny brothers in this family who own the estate and the winery and the property used to be their great aunt's gold mine. And so they have all these wonderful stories about hanging out, you know, in the Sierra foothills with their aunt, who is kind of this glamorous woman wearing pearls, but she'd always have her shotgun and just this very kind of wild upbringing. And so we kind of immersed ourselves in Hemingway to get the tone of voice and did a lot of storytelling about the old mining days. And you really get that sense when you visit the site. And it's one of those sites where you want to keep going back. Every time I pull it up to show to a client, I just smile. It's just really fun to spend time exploring the site. And so what they found was that customers kept coming back. They'd say, oh, I bought this wine last month, but you got to see this website. You got to see the big bear paw. You've got to see the video. You've got to read the story of this family. It's wild. And so people just kept coming back from month to month and they got that monthly engagement. So covering both SEO and the engagement element, how do you think of that differently in a mobile first world than looking at a computer screen? So As far as mobile, SEO is pretty much the same approach, but the interaction on mobile is definitely different. We'll do things like add contact info in places that's more prominent. So for example, a lot of times people are on their phone at a restaurant trying a wine and they want to order it on the website or maybe they're in the car and they're trying to find this place. So we'll put handy info in prominent places that they can access on mobile and help them arrive at the winery or shop or find the wine or contact the winery. Shopping is such a huge part of a wine's website these days. It's core to most wineries' businesses, how can the design improve a business's e-commerce functionality? Well, I was going to mention a client of ours, CV. I don't know if we want to get into the whole discussion of e-commerce, but they're on an e-commerce platform called WineDirect, which is a hosted storefront. And their e-commerce was kind of awkward and difficult to navigate with their previous website. And we just built a new shop page in WordPress that I think one stumbling block is when your team is not able to get in easily and make updates to your products, and then you kind of end up with dead ends. The other thing is, if you can have all your products easily viewable to that site visitor, it's going to be so much more natural for them to make that purchase. With that site, I'm like pulling it up right now as I'm talking to you. If you drill into a product, you see that product, but then you see it in four different size formats. So 750 ml all the way up to six liters. And then you can also click on a library tab and maybe purchase a back vintage of that product. So instead of making one sale, maybe the site visitor buys five different variations of the same wine. So just by presenting the information in an appealing way, you're increasing your sales dramatically. And so I was speaking with their GM a couple of weeks ago, and she said they saw an 80% increase in large format sales when they launched their website with us, just because they had offered the site visitor that option. Do you do, outside of the selection, you have the option, that's a big element. What about that path to purchase and how easy it is to execute the purchase? Are you able to do customization of how that happens? And have you seen a big impact of that in terms of sales? 
Yeah, the customization, as far as like the checkout flow, depends a lot on the e-commerce vendor and how flexible they are. But as far as integration of the e-commerce experience into the website, generally we have a lot of flexibility with that. Like Catherine mentioned, some e-commerce platforms are hosted, and so they're basically separate from the main website unless you build the website within their system. But e-commerce is crucial for wineries. It's often one of the main factors in decision-making about which platforms they go with in terms of the website and if it connects with their e-commerce platform. So the sales funnel is crucial to our approach to web design and highlighting the wines, driving people subtly into the sales funnel so that they do end up finding the wines that they want and purchasing or joining the clubs. And there are a lot of different ways that we do it. Really, the approach depends on each individual winery, their positioning, their persona, their approach to doing sales. So some wineries are really gung-ho and big on sales and they want to show shopping up front on the homepage, let people just see all the wines and add to cart immediately and start shopping. A lot of allocated wineries you work with take a little more subtle approach where maybe they're showing the wines, but they're maybe not showing prices, trying to kind of inspire desire in the products by maybe psychology of not showing too much. So we do think that it's important to be telling the stories about the wine and showing the wines and letting people learn more about the wines. And then once they start getting thirsty, they'll see that there are places to purchase the wines. This is the flow of the way we design things. And if I could add one thing that Jan does well with design is subtly embedding the product and the e-commerce in the narrative flow of the site. So you're kind of reading the story, you're reading about the vineyard. Oh, this is so interesting. And then depending on the e-commerce platform, we can embed that product. So, oh, wow, I'm really enjoying what I'm reading about this vineyard. And oh, here is the designate wine from this vineyard. And all I have to do is click on it and put it in my cart. So it's become much more intuitive as the e-commerce has improved over the years. And similarly, often we'll have a winemaking or a wines page that's separate from the shop page. And this is an opportunity to talk about philosophy or kind of elevate the brand by talking about the wines in a way that's not salesy. But then once you've kind of educated people about the wines, they get thirsty and want to shop. And so it does make sense at that point as well to start showing products maybe below, even if it's not the salesy with prices, but let people dive into individual products, which again goes into that sales funnel. So you mentioned the importance of the e-commerce platform and you mentioned CV uses Wine Direct. Do you have thoughts or trade-offs of the different platforms that are out there and how good they are for you to customize them? Yeah, so there's a wide variety of platforms out there that are just focused on winery e-commerce. Our favorites are those that let us seamlessly integrate the website or the e-commerce into our main website. Commerce 7 is one that does this really well. They have widgets that let you embed everything from products to subscribe forms to individual products and collections. And we've actually built a WordPress plugin to wrap around that to make it even easier to integrate into our websites. Offset is another company that does really well. They're in the process of building the seamless integration. They're one that handles the customization flexibility really well, as you mentioned earlier, just kind of taking a customized approach because a lot of wineries have a really individual approach to how they present themselves and do their sales. And handle allocations too. Yeah, exactly. A lot of wineries, it feels disjointed when you're looking at the marketing side, the brand side of it, and then you go into the commerce. It feels like two separate sites that have kind of been glued together under a domain name. And sometimes I think that can be confusing for visitors. They maybe go to a different domain name. It's like, wait, I'm on a different site now. And then... Is it secure? Yeah, is it secure? And sometimes, you know, the header looks different and then maybe the links are broken because the hosted e-commerce platform, they weren't able to make the changes they made on the normal site. And so that's kind of why we like the seamless integration, but both approaches work with the hosted and the seamless integration. It's just a matter of kind of doing the work to make them match up. So there's a lot of new technologies that are allowing people to connect even from the web directly to their consumers. And you see chat boxes everywhere. You see people asking for phone numbers to be able to do text messaging. How have you seen those work and how important is it to be integrating those into your web design? 
I think it really depends on the client. It really depends on the winery because so many brands, I think as Jan alluded to earlier, within wine are luxury brands and they want to seem a little bit difficult to access and maybe a little exclusive. And so for that type of a brand, chat boxes and texting is probably not a good way to go. But then we do have clients for whom this is very effective. We have a winery in Clarksburg called Silt, and they told us that their sales just rocketed it up when they launched their new website. And part of that was launching the new website in tandem with targeted text messaging that was driving their customers to a beautiful site. But I want to say again, kind of like with SEO, if your website isn't beautiful, functional, and intuitive to get through, you can send as many texts as you want, and they're not going to be effective. Those texts always need to involve a link And in their case, they kind of have an almost allocated structure. So their customer base, it's almost like sending out a text to family, people who are there all the time and feel really close to the brand. So I think that it can be very effective, but the winery really needs to sit down and think about how they're going to use it. I just read an article in the New York Times about how everyone's getting frustrated by the number of political emails and texts they're getting. So something, even if you feel passionate about something, you don't want to be overwhelmed with communication from that winery or that cause. When I think of those areas, having a chat box, you can interact with your consumers. I think about you need to have staff that are available to do it. And even in the content phase, I'm curious when you're working with your clients and you want to be updating on a regular basis, what is the content support that you're looking for on average from a winery in terms of how often they want to be kind of changing things or available or having support staff to handle the website? Yeah, it's really important that websites can grow with a a winery or company over time. We think of websites as more of a process and a thing because they do tend to evolve as people's communication needs change. So it's really important that people can log in and easily make changes. And that's why we use WordPress. We see a big range in how engaged people are in their websites. Some people just let it sit there for years and never change it. Some people are making changes all the time. So we've built that into our process to train people and educate them how to use their website. And then we're also available for maintenance and updates. So we have long-term clients who've stuck with this, and we just keep helping them evolve their website over time. Visitation and hospitality are some of the core drivers of a lot of wineries' businesses. Do you have best practices on how they communicate those options to come visit on their website that work better than others? Again, it really depends on the winery because some wineries can't accept visitors. Some say, well, we're really not supposed to given our zoning, but if someone kind of quietly emails us, we can accommodate them. And then there are other wineries that have a huge tasting room with a big bar and their messages come on in. So it really kind of depends from client to client what they're looking for. But One thing we try to achieve with our websites is sort of immersing the site visitor in the feeling of being at the winery. And this is something that really came up a lot during the pandemic was a lot of wineries were kind of freaking out that they had depended so much on their tasting room sales and suddenly their tasting room had to be closed. What could they do? And we work hard to sort of create that experience that you're there, you're at the winery, you're at the tasting room, feel like you're right there with them. And I think if you can visit a website and get a really good sense of the place, then you're more likely to book that visit. And I have my own kind of personal theory. I don't know if this is true, but I think it's true for me, which is at least on the homepage, I like to show photography that doesn't have people in it when you're showing the tasting room experience, because I think that the site visitor wants to imagine themselves there. Kind of like when you're shopping for a new home, you kind of want to see the staged home You don't want to see people's like family photos on the walls. You want to imagine it as your home. So there's a little bit of kind of allowing the site visitor to imagine that they're there and they're having a very unique customized experience. 
as a show, we like to focus on ROI for our listeners because we have mostly trade listeners. What kind of investments do wineries need to make in their web design? And maybe there's a range, like what have you seen that customers have invested in the past and what do you think is healthy? What do you think they should be investing in their website? It seems as though you can get a really solid website for your winery, I don't know, anywhere in the, what would you say, 12 to 30K range? Yeah, I think it really depends on the winery and the size and the goals for the project. We see a range from anywhere from 5K up to 50, 75, or 100, depending on the size of the winery. We see smaller wineries getting even cheaper websites, and maybe that works for them as well. I think it's really a question of kind of the sales, the case production maybe, and how much they want to invest. I tend to think of the investment in the website as if you amortize it over the years that it's going to be active. So if you have the website for five years or 10 years, it seems a little bit cheaper than one big chunk. In terms of your clients, how have they thought about, I'm assuming as you come in and consult with them, there's a myriad of options they could be doing in terms of what they want to do. I'm curious on how the average client of yours thinks about the return on that. Are they taking that multi-year, like, I'm going to make this investment for five years and it is amortized or is that a thinking that you have to kind of lay out for them? Yeah, I'm not sure that that's how our clients think about it. Normally, they kind of have a budget in mind and they're like, this is what we can work with for this project. And maybe they have a little bit of flexibility. Sometimes they have specific goals in mind and maybe that doesn't really fit into their budget. So there's maybe a bit of education or give or take there. But really, it just depends on each individual winery and what they want from the website and how much they're willing to invest. And then also, like I mentioned, websites can evolve over time. So they could start out at one level and then work with a designer or developer to improve it, kind of like you build a house and then add on some rooms over time. I will say that some wineries think that they can save by working with a template website that's not winery specific. And then they end up coming to us saying our e-commerce isn't working, our website's not working. So I would definitely recommend working with a design agency that has a special knowledge and experience in the wine business, the wine industry. Also, if I can add to that, I think that there's a value in having technical competence when you look for an agency. Things like SEO, things like accessibility. If you hire a designer who really doesn't understand what's happening under the hood in technical terms, you're likely going to get a lower quality product that may open up your winery to legal liability because of ADA accessibility issues, for example. So it's really easy these days to spin up a really cheap website with WordPress or Squarespace or Wix without having any technical knowledge and just being able to be a designer. But it's not always the best approach. When wineries are looking at updating their website and they say, hey, I'm going to do this project, I can afford to do this, and they're going to invest, let's call it 10K into their website. Are they expecting to get that back by increased sales from that? Is that one of the key drivers of this business decision to make this investment? Or is it just about brand building? Like, How are they thinking about the payback on this investment? Oh, it's sales. DTC sales just skyrocketed during the pandemic and they haven't gone back down. I think that consumers have really adopted buying wine online direct from wineries as kind of the new way that they're making their purchases. And obviously, if you own a winery, you're cutting out the middleman and making much more profit on your wine. So an investment in a quality website is definitely an investment in the bottom line. It is not just about getting your brand out there and getting buzz. We definitely hear from clients that the DTC is super important in the e-commerce and their sales. People are really focused on sales and selling the wine, bringing in the money. At the same time, for a lot of wineries, the website is the face of their brand. They may not have a tasting room. It may just be the bottles that people see where they are in the store. So it's really important that the website can really represent the brand and tell the story. And then as well, aid the sales funnel and help them sell wine. 
in a physical winery, when someone walks in, they're looking at, hey, conversion to purchase or conversion to sign up for their wine club. What kind of metrics are you looking at in terms of your funnel for your website? Obviously, the discoverability, you mentioned session time, that they're there. I'm assuming the conversion to either signups are there as well, or purchases are there. What are the key metrics that a winery should be looking at in their website? And do you have targets for what good is for a winery in terms of conversions? Stats are something that we absolutely think are important, but we usually would say that a winery should work with someone who's a specialist in analytics. That's not really what we do. Like I said before, to me, I am really happy when I see that average session duration is going up because it means that people are lingering on the website. They're enjoying it. What do you think, Jan? Yeah. I mean, we do work with wineries and do the analytics. And then in the past, have worked through projects where we track the whole journey all the way to conversion and sales. So yeah, I think that when people are looking at their analytics results, they're definitely looking at page views, the time that people are staying on the page, and then trying to track the visitors all the way through to that point of purchase and see like what's effective, which pages are keeping people on. So when wineries have limited budgets, because they can only budget so much in a year, do you think there are specific low-hanging fruit or specific things with the web design that they should target first? They only have $5,000 and they have a website from 10 years ago. Is there part of it, whether that's how they lay out the path to purchase, how they tell their story, how they immerse themselves in the hospitality visit? It's sort of like when you redo a home, to make that analogy that you made earlier, Jan, and you say, my biggest ROI is going to be redoing the kitchen and bathrooms. Is there something like that for websites that you think of? One that comes to mind right now is we are about to start a new project for a client who has a really beautiful website, but parts of it are not functioning. And when I was exploring the site, I kept hitting these dead ends. And one of them was when I visited the wine detail page, I'd click add to cart and the wine would not go into the cart. So I think if you're going to focus on one thing, make sure when people see your beautiful product and try to purchase it, they can do that. That's really important. What do you think, Jan? Yeah, I agree. I think just making sure that the path to purchase is smooth and easy and intuitive makes a big difference. But also, I think that, you know, a website is a kind of process of soul searching for wineries. They need to figure out who they are and how they're positioned and how they want to present themselves and who their audience is. So really kind of thinking about that story and what makes them special and differentiate from their neighbors and other wineries who are their peers, maybe. And then think about how you're telling that story to that audience. And often we think about communication kind of like with Greek rhetoric. You know, you can have arguments that are logical or ethical or emotional. And so we think about communicating in these kind of various ways. Maybe you're talking about like the sustainability of the stewardship. And so you're kind of making like an ethical connection or you're talking about your passion and passion is really contagious. And so you can make an emotional connection with visitors that way. I think a lot of it really comes down to kind of storytelling, via content and text, and then also visual storytelling with photography and imagery, but really just kind of sharing who you are and understanding your audience and trying to speak to them in the way that communicates and connects with them. A lot of wineries have kind of like different goals of their website and they have different business models. Some are trying to drive people to the winery. Some are trying to drive strictly to the mail list or to the wine club's signups. Based on what the winery is trying to do, how does that change your design approach? Yeah, there's a whole range of wineries and how they're positioned and how they want to approach the website. So we see a lot of kind of higher end and allocated wineries want to be really minimal. Maybe their homepage just has a picture of a vineyard and there's nothing below the fold when you scroll. They want to kind of create mystery, create an air of exclusivity. Then we see wineries that are super salesy and want e-commerce upfront on the homepage. So really, it's kind of taking their positioning and their sales goals, their business strategy, and trying to implement that in the design approach. 
And you can do that anywhere from just the way the menu is arranged. You know, if hospitality is their number one goal, then, you know, maybe your visit page is your second page after your homepage. So that's the second thing people see as they're scrolling through your menu. If you really want people signing up for that mailing list, one thing that we do a lot at VIN is a really sort of beautiful call to action at the bottom of each page where it's maybe a beautiful photo or something that really kind of immerses the site visitor in that brand once again. And it just is sort of subtly says, you know, sign up for our mailing list or join our club. And it's just kind of always there, subtly reminding the site visitor on each page to take that action. There are also subtle kind of language cues, like whether people decide to have a shop page or an acquire page or a purchase page. So just kind of like subtle wording, shop now, join the mailing list, join the wait list. A lot of clients are using the term discover for their homepage. So discover rather than home. I don't know if that's a trend right now. It's something that seems to be popular and it seems to be effective, kind of inviting the site visitor to go on a journey with them, journey through that site. Speaking of trends, what are emerging trends you guys are seeing around web design for wine? Website is a really dynamic field. I mean, website designs are constantly evolving and people are always pushing boundaries and trying to do new things to stand out. The wine world is maybe a little slow sometimes to catch up, but we're definitely getting there. So we're seeing trends like subtle scroll animation, entrance animation, choreography, that kind of thing. Drone video has always been very popular. If you have some beautiful vineyards to show, it can be quite stunning. People are also using video in more creative ways. I think I mentioned the client Casino Mine Ranch earlier, and they have a video about their auntie, the gold miner. It's very cute. It's creative. It's humorous. It's not just the winemaker standing there and saying, you should taste our wines because blah, 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 blah. It's a whole cinematic adventure and it's on their homepage. And when you watch it, you don't even really learn about the wine, but you immediately are immersed in the brand. I think wineries are getting a little more creative with that, with messaging their identity through video. And then I think photography will never go out of style. Great photography. And I think it can just be so effective. One thing that I think Jan alluded to, higher end wineries, allocated wineries, they tend to do a lot of sort of immersive art photography that maybe doesn't even show the vineyards. It might show something else and it just gives the site visitor this kind of feeling of being there. It's very atmospheric. So that's something we're seeing a lot too. Interesting. I guess a picture literally is worth a thousand words. Absolutely. We want to thank you both for sharing so much information about the space that I don't think a lot of people talk enough about because it is important to driving those bottom line sales. But we want to end the episode on a personal note. And we'd love to know what was the most memorable wine that each of you have had in the last year and who did you drink it with? Yeah, I had a Pinot Noir from our client Sanguis, who was down in Santa Barbara area and shared it recently with my folks. It was just a wonderful, complex, interesting, surprising Pinot. And I'm a huge Pinot fan. So I really enjoyed it. Just a fun client to work with. They make a large variety of wines. And so it was just an experience. And also, I think when you meet the winemaker or hear from the people about the wine, that also kind of helps with the emotional engagement. Absolutely. Gosh, I guess mine would be just after the pandemic when we could finally travel again. I took my 14-year-old to Sardinia because it's something she's always wanted. She's always wanted to go there. So it wasn't like a work trip, but I, of course, dragged her to one vineyard. And it was just stunning. It was like right by the sea. The winemaker is Mario Bagella. He's a fifth generation wine grower in Sorso. This is like northwestern Sardinia, north of Algaro. And I was just blown away by his wines. Absolutely stunning vineyard designate wines. Everything was beautiful from the indigenous Cagnolari grape to he's, I think, the first winemaker in Sardinia to make a 100% dry Moscato. But the wine that blew me away was his vineyard designate Vermentino. I just was so thrilled by that wine. And of course, it's one of those things where if you're sitting in the winemaker's kitchen, 
right by the sea in Sardinia. Of course, it tastes so good. So I'll remember that experience for the rest of my life. That's a connection of place when you're drinking it at the place. It's a powerful moment. Well, thank you both for sharing so much information. We greatly appreciate all your knowledge and all your expertise in this area. Thanks for having us. This was really fun. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Don't forget to support the show at xchateau.com or patreon.com slash xchateau. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.